Good evening. I want to speak to you tonight about God's love, or more specifically, what your role in, is in his love. You've probably heard this phrase, God is love. But what exactly does that mean? When I used to hear that, I try to visualize what I thought it looked like. What I believed love is didn't make this phrase, no matter how factual it is, any clearer to me. Is love those butterflies you feel when you're around someone you like? Is it being attracted to someone? I notice that many of us tend to quickly, almost absentmindedly say, I love you to family and close friends on the other end of the phone line before we hang up. And I tried to understand how if these things describe love, what were they telling me about God? How did that apply? You know, how do any of these things relate to God being love? And I always found myself confused. Then I wondered if we label some actions and words as love that actually aren't. When I started down the path to really getting to know God and I began to set aside time to read my Bible and actually learn, I saw that being a Christian is about relationship with Jesus. So maybe maybe I was a step closer to understanding, but even with this newfound knowledge, I noticed that I was working so hard to earn points with God and I fell into this vicious cycle. My happiest days were when I had read my Bible and I prayed and remembered to mind my attitude. When my behavior was on point and I didn't sin, I was able to pat myself on the back. I was so proud of me. <laughs> Even more importantly, I felt God was proud of me. This happiness would give me fuel and hope to go into the next day and the next week and month because I was being such a good Christian. But then the dreaded day would always come where I would somehow get off track and my routine would be thrown off. I would somehow, one way or another, miss my prayer time or miss out on reading my Bible or I'd fail to have the right words or attitude. I'd be so disappointed with myself and even worse, I just knew that God was disappointed with me too. I failed. Now, replacing that pride and that hope that I felt before was defeat and shame. When it got really bad, it would turn to condemnation. Bad thoughts of, you're not a real Christian. You'll never make it to heaven. You're not good enough. Would fill my mind and I'd defeatedly watch as every point I'd earned over the past several days, weeks, months, fell away before my eyes. These high highs and low lows were brutal. Seriously, I was on an emotional roller coaster and at times I wondered why God had set the bar so high if I could never reach it. There were so many days where I wanted to give up. How do Christians do it? 
and they seem so happy. <laughs> Did I miss something? What am I doing so wrong? Do you know how hard I'm trying? But I'm so grateful that I didn't give up because somewhere along the line, I finally understood the words I'd frequently heard but failed to grasp. It's not a performance test. I didn't even realize I'd been treating it as such. After all, isn't that how it works? I mean, we meet someone and we need to gain their trust. We need to earn their respect. We ensure we're on our best behavior, and over time, we gain their love and affection. I wondered how it's possible to switch our thinking into a new gear when, when our entire world just teaches us to gain points. Well, over time, and as God gave me more understanding after spending time in his word, I finally saw a picture that was being painted for me in my head that showed me what love truly looks like. Isaiah 49, 14 says, Yet, Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Do you see how much we're loved? Well, not only does God give us his word as a reflection of him, but he also gives us examples. Every day, his characteristics are being revealed to us in nature, as mentioned in Psalms, but also through those he's put in our lives. In the scripture I just read to you from Isaiah, he compares his love for us to that of a mother's, then states that his love is even greater. To wrap my brain around that, I thought about my mom specifically. Funny enough, having kids wasn't, wasn't really a goal in her life. <laughs> Yet to this day, she is an amazing mother. Um, especially considering that shortly after bringing me into this world, she found out that I had a blood disorder that could cause me a lot of pain. The complications that came along with this medical diagnosis didn't just affect me, but of course it affected her as well. Yet, she never failed to be there to comfort me, to hold me, to support me. There was never a moment where I needed to earn my mother's love. If earning her love was a requirement, I would have been at a deficit from the moment I was born. If anything, though I know she never saw it this way, I added stress to her life. You know, once again, she never saw it this way. She does not see it this way. Um, but it's just the truth. The attention she needed to give to me, it botched her plans on several occasions. Even still, that's not her take on it. Her love for me was never contingent upon how many mistakes, or I'm sorry, how many points I could earn. And the same goes for God. It's not a performance test. A mother's unconditional love runs deep. Yet and still, 
God's love runs even deeper. I'd like to read Psalms 18, 32 to 36 to you. God's, God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. You help, your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Now, does this passage describe a God who's waiting to condemn us because of our recent performance? He gives us strength. He gives us help and support and he puts a wide path beneath our feet so we won't fall. This part about a wide path specifically jumps out at me. Um, you know how a parent follows around their toddler who's learning to walk? The child is not yet steady on their feet so the parent follows them closely with these outstretched arms. The parent understands that at some point their child will lose their balance and fall. So they trail behind them with these open arms just poised to catch them. God anticipates our fails, our falls, because we're human. And when it happens, just as gentle as we respond when our babies fall, he responds to us. After each catch, the child gains more confidence and they're ready to venture everywhere, knowing that their parents are not only by their side, but on their side. They know that they're safe. And when they fall and tears fill their eyes, they know who to turn to for consolation. Just as Peter knew he could turn to Jesus in repentance and be forgiven in Luke 22:31, where Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. This was an amazing, just eye-opening passage for me. I'm so thankful that God led me to this passage when I was having a hard time. I want to insert a little disclaimer here. Because um, God doesn't take sin lightly. And neither should we. So please know that I'm not belittling sin or trying to give the impression that Jesus made light of it either. But my whole point to you, what I, I really wanted to put emphasis on was that he didn't get hung up on it. I was blown away with how Jesus mentioned to Peter that he would deny him. And he spoke in a way that assumed Peter would move past it. His words were, and when, when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus knew full well what Peter was going to do. And it didn't allow his plans to be derailed. He didn't sign Peter off. He pleaded in prayer for him. What a loving God. <laughs> if this passage doesn't display outspread arms ready to catch us, I'm not sure what does. 
Well, James 1, 2 through 4 reads, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Just as our faith grows through testing, so does our trust. And so our relationship with Jesus. Can you think of a time within a new relationship where you had your first fight? Can you remember feeling a bit scared that the relationship may not be mended only to find to your surprise and your relief that it proved to be strong enough to weather the storm? If you can identify with this, you probably found that your relationship then grew stronger afterwards. Maybe you then grew closer with that person after finding that they weren't just going to leave you because you didn't see eye to eye. From then on, you may have found you had a little more liberty to speak a bit more openly with them about your feelings. If you had at least one healthy relationship like this in your life, you're not only blessed, but you're seeing some of God's amazing qualities exemplified. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 reads, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. The more you get to know God, the more you'll be able to rest in his love. Though your emotions may change, he's steady. He's not waiting nearby to snatch his love back the moment we fail. So while you were busy tallying points, while I was busy tallying points, God was never even keeping score. The good news is it's not a performance test. So if you ever look up one day and realize that you've once again lapsed back into thinking that you need to earn points with God, be assured of his love. As Acts 15, 11 says, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. See? God chose to love us long before we came into existence. We had nothing to do with it. If anything, we give him reason to walk away, but he hasn't and he won't. Ephesians 1, 4 through 8 confirms that even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. There are so many scriptures and Bible stories 
I could read to you that that would continue to show you just how much God loves us and that his love is not based on how well behaved we are. So you see, you can't mess it up. I know that we're probably not used to freely receiving such a good thing. We like to believe that we've earned what we've received or at least somehow we deserve it. However, that's not really how God operates and we can all be so grateful that he doesn't. This realization calls for rejoicing. Since Jesus carried our sins and his body to the cross, the stress and outcome of our performance is not a weight we carry. We've done nothing to earn our mother's or our father's love, and we surely don't need to earn God's. Ephesians 3, 16 says, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. So stand firm in what his word says, despite the doubts you may have, because you must endure to get there. Through his power, he will perfect you. He'll perfect us. We'll all have times where we'll stumble, just like a baby trying to gain their footing. But get up again. You'll see he hasn't left you, so don't throw in the towel. He's already done the work. As you're obedient and learn his word, just as the scripture says, your roots will grow down into his love and keep you strong. And with that will come the liberating truth that he'll always be there and the burdens you feel that you're carrying. You'll see that you've picked them up all on your own. Walk with him. Let him show you that his love is like no other. We don't really have a role in his love. Our obedience to him is our response to him loving us first. Be confident in knowing that because he's such a loving God who's already done the work for us, it's not a performance test. Well, I hope you have a good evening. Thank you.